0: The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Boy, Media Day started with a bang, didn't it? Jeez. I have to admit, I came into Media Day thinking that. This was the day everything was going to be, it's going to feel right after this weird offseason. And I've never (laughs) been so wrong. Oh my goodness. Oh boy. Anyway, we're not going to talk about that today. Um, Media Day things that we will talk about. You guys know exactly what I'm not talking about at the front end of this thing. I will get into it though. Make no mistake because we still have... uh, Three weeks and a day until the NBA season opens. So the things that you're hearing on media day out there, notably players who will have to spend multiple weeks in protocol if they have an exposure or actually contract COVID, that will impact draft boards. And I don't want you guys to say that I'm not talking about fantasy here at the outset because... As frustrated as I am and, as, and how many personal feelings I have about this, what I'm bringing to you at the outset of today's show is exclusively a fantasy take on the stuff we heard at Media Day regarding vaccination. And I know it. Son of a bitch that gave me a one-star review for asking a question about vaccination in May. You're just waiting there to hit me with another one. I don't care. I don't care. It means you're not listening. To me, when I say that this is part of handicapping your team, want to win? Don't stick your head in the sand. Want to win? Pay attention to what we've just learned. I will... So I'll say this. The... It's, it's kind of like the 10th category for me. Those of you that I listen to this podcast a long time, you know that four years ago, you, dr- you avoided players that were hurt a lot. Now, you target players that aren't. The-, the pendulum has swung, meaning four years ago, most of the league played most of their games. Not all. Since the advent of load management, now most of the league doesn't. Most of the league misses eight to 12 games and a handful of players don't do that. So that's why when we talk about head to head in particular and guys at the top of fantasy drafts, when you're looking for durability now, it's a targetable category. It's a targetable attribute that gives your team a boost that you didn't have to worry about in the past. In the past, it was avoid the guy who misses three weeks every time his toe hurts. Danilo Gallinari. This topic, which again, you guys know at this point from listening to the show, what I want you to do personally, but that's not what this is about. What this is about is how to draft a fantasy team. And we heard at the time of recording this podcast, at least two players who have confirmed that they are not vaccinated. Again, feel how you will about that. You know, I do, but from a fantasy standpoint, what this show is out there to do for you guys, this is a freaking hard tightrope to walk, but I'm doing it, damn it. From a fantasy standpoint, it means that there are now players separating themselves as the guys who don't get to abide by the new set of rules. Meaning, last year, basically everybody until the end of the season, remember players started getting the backs, I think in February or March, if I'm not mistaken. And so by April, you had a lot of players that were that were vaccinated and could fall under that new set of rules. So last year, most of the season, everyone was under the same set of if you have an exposure, you quarantine for a week. If you don't have any positive tests, you come back. If you do have positive tests, you're in quarantine until you get two negative tests. And then depending on how sick you were, there's going to be some stretch of time where you're working yourself back into game shape. That sucked. That was a crummy fantasy season, particularly in head-to-head. We got throttled in playoffs because playoffs started before most of the players were vaccinated. So, like, you had you had weeks where six, seven of your guys might just go out at the same time and there was nothing you could do about it. Might have been COVID, might have been injuries related to COVID, might have been injuries related to the shortness of the season. This year, at least I know personally, and I think we talked about it on the pod a little bit, over the offseason... I was beginning to recalibrate my brain to a place where, hey, most of these guys are going to be vaxxed, so protocols are going to be still a thing, but less of a thing. And this actually creates this very thick and obvious divide between now the pendulum has swung. Last year, and there was nothing we could do about it when we drafted teams in December last year, but last year you had players on your team where you were hoping that if someone on your fantasy team got exposed to COVID or caught it, it was at the end of the year and they were vaxxed because then you might only miss them for a week. Remember, Chris Paul came back in the playoffs in, I think, six days with a positive test, meaning his symptoms were pretty freaking small, if at all. Might have been asymptomatic. I don't know. They didn't give us that much information. This season, a lot of players are going to be that, meaning if they catch it, they might be back in a week. If they don't have many symptoms, they might be back in a week because two negative tests, boom, you're good to go. Didn't get too sick. Shouldn't have a ton of conditioning to work through. However, for those of us drafting fantasy teams, and, you know, I got my draft in two weeks and a couple more in three weeks right before the season starts. I'm guessing a lot of you guys are in that same boat. You're now going into this. It's not a full of void. For some of these guys, like with Andrew Wiggins, that's a full avoid because he can't play in home games. Kyrie Irving can't play in games in New York until he gets vaccinated. That's sort of a bigger deal than the Bradley Beal news, which, by the way, I'm, maybe I'm breaking this for some of you guys. We now know definitively at the time of recording that Bradley Beal, Kyrie Irving and Andrew Wiggins are not vaccinated. And that does change how you draft your fantasy team. Kyrie Irving right now can play a maximum of like 39 games this year because he can't play against the Knicks either. Andrew Wiggins can play a maximum of 41 games. I don't know if they have the same rules in uh, in Southern California. I don't. I, there's, there's sort of local jurisdictional stuff going on there. Regardless, we can't draft those guys as the situation currently stands. With someone like Bradley Beal, you still could, but you have to understand if he gets exposed, which these teams are traveling, they're practicing, they're going places, they're in hotels, there's probably going to be exposure at some point. He could miss... An extra week or two more than a teammate of his, in the same exact scenario. So, if you were handicapping Bradley Beal missing four or five, six, seven, eight games this year, you probably need to tack on another three or four because of the possibility—nay, dare I say, probability—that this is going to come up. And we're going to find out more about this. I didn't want to spend that much time, but I do want you guys to to sort of click the handicap into place where if you if we learn about this stuff you do have to make fantasy adjustments i swear to god if i hear something from one of you guys about vaccine police i'm going to freaking lose it on air tomorrow because this is fantasy and if you don't want to hear it well whatever in any welcome to monday's podcast happy media day everyone sheesh what a clunker of a start to media day (sighs) what are you gonna do what are you gonna do we haven't learned a whole lot of other stuff yet i'm sure we will this is a cool day a lot of folks do come back to uh paying attention to basketball today and welcome your first podcast is me with a show opening podcast rant on some (laughs) of the crummy things we heard and have to handicap for on media day. Man, I was really hoping it was just going to be one of those, hey, we're really excited to go out there and play kind of things. In any event, uh, today's podcast, as all of our shows, is Fantasy NBA Today. I'm your host, Dan Bespris. Thanks, as always, for tuning in, everybody. I hope you don't misinterpret what I'm saying. That's all I'm saying at this point. That's all I'm asking of you is please listen to the detail in the words that I say. It's why I'm such a flowery speaker we go into detail on things because nothing is as simple as everybody wants it to be. And from a fantasy standpoint, that's what we're looking at right now. Again, other stuff, fine. You guys know where I stand. Don't need to do that on the pod. You're welcome. I was hoping I wouldn't have to talk about that at all today. But you know what? It, it's news. It's newsworthy. And it's fantasy newsworthy. Kyrie Irving, Bradley Beal, these are guys going inside the top 20. That's a big deal. Hey, yo, you can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or just Google Dan from Hoopball. Very easy to pop up over there. Uh, do want to throw in one quick promo here. Everybody uh, got some positive feedback, generally, that um, tried to do something fantasy-wise before bringing up the promo. So today it was Media Day News. Uh, promo today is the recruiting process is really very much in full swing right now. So please do if you are interested in getting involved with us here at Hoop Ball, send me a note on Twitter at Dan vespers or email teamhoopball at dot ball.com. We are looking for blurbers on the full season fantasy side. Uh blur or er, podcasters and DFS writers, uh, sports betting enthusiasts, handicappers, you might call yourselves. Uh or if you want to do a podcast about some other Hairbrain thing. I don't care. Love to hear from you again at Dan Vespers or email team hoopball at hoop ball.com. Also Hoopball leagues filling up. We are now at 18 leagues open up another one over the weekend. Uh, my guess is that we'll probably open another four or five before this thing's all said and done drafts for those leagues start in about 13 uh, ish 12 or 13 days. So we have a little bit of time there, uh, but we're going to be starting to do wait lists that if they hit 12, we'll just open up a new league. You can get in touch with me the exact same way, head-to-head, Roto, cash-free. We've got all that good stuff going on, so please do check that out. And last thing here before we dive into where we left off on Thursday's show, actually, is that if you have a moment, please do subscribe to the pod or drop a five-star review on it. Whether or not you agree with uh, my personal decisions, I hope that the opening monologue uh, was useful for you. Even after doing it, I was like, should I even do this? But, yeah, I mean, this is fantasy relevant. If we ignored it, we'd be doing our listeners a disservice. Uh, Please do subscribe to the pod. This is a really important time of year for us here on Fantasy NBA Today. Friday, we talked to Aaron Brewski about the weirdness of the first and second round. Thursday, we talked about the first 24 picks from our industry mock draft, which is one of my favorite times of the year. Uh, We'll be starting chats with... uh, all of the pros from that mock draft. I got I think as of right now, one more six of the eleven hits lined up. those will be getting dropped over the next couple of weeks leading up to opening night. We should, by the way, have a really cool uh, three person pod coming up at one point next week that i'll I'll tease when it gets a little bit closer. But for now, we got as far on our last on our Thursday show, last one we talked about this mock draft as Donovan Mitchell, as the last pick of number 24. And again, I'm not giving out any team names. We're just kind of going through the names in this mock where they ended up with experts that are presumably targeting some guys in this mock draft. And today I'd like to see if we can get through another two to three rounds before we put a bow on things and uh, take that on into some of the other days later in the week. I still got to figure out when the hell various things are going to get dropped. I'm going to have all these pod hits with pros. They might just get slotted in alongside some of these discussions of the mock draft, but we'll figure it out. That's my problem. That's not your problem. You just have to sit back, relax and listen to some podcasts. Pick number 25 of our industry mock draft. This is a nine cat roto mock, by the way, which is generally how I build most of my strategy. But as you've heard, those of you that have listened through the off season and have been with us for a long time, you know that we try to make note of particular players that have advantages in different formats, Head to head, if you're totals, very important guys that actually play in those games, so you're not racking up zeros. Anyway, first pick of the third round is Jalen Brown, which I don't know. I'm not I'm not big time into Jalen at 25. Last year he finished uh, on a per game basis at 36, and it felt like that was almost as good as it could get. I, he took 19 shots a ball game. Do I think that number goes up? Probably not. Really good field goal percent guy for a shooting guard small forward. He's better than average. Free throw stroke has gotten better over the years, but still a negative. Good ball player, like Jalen Brown a lot, uh, but probably not quite this early. I think last year, 35, 36 range. That's a pretty good target for him. And he does tend to deal with some kind of nagging injury stuff. So I wouldn't expect him to blow through that by totals. Uh, I w- I'd be targeting him probably about a round later or so, which I guess is tough to do when you're on the turn, but uh, that's just where I'd be looking at him. DeAndre Aiden at 26, I- I'm totally fine with that. You guys know my feelings on Aiden. He was a, a warrior on the durability front last year. Played 69 out of Phoenix's 72 ballgames. 44 on the per game front, but also worth noting that again, uh the second half of the season, so basically like his last 35 ball games, he got better as the year went on. He was number 31 over those games and played, I don't think he missed like one over that stretch. He was at 14 points, 10 boards, 0.9 steals, 1.3 blocks, great field goal percent, pretty solid free throw number as well. Strong center uh not a big scoring type again, I think you might be able to get him a little later than twenty six but I like him there. He finished at twenty by totals last season. The deep playoff run is something that i'm I'm using as a little bit of a check mark against the suns in general uh but i I think ayton the fact that he was just sort of progressively getting better I, I do think that this is going to be a good year for him i I'm just looking at some of the other names floating around out there. I think you could probably find someone with a better per-game outlook than Aiden. If you're taking him here at the beginning of the third round, you're banking on that durability, kicking it again, and it probably will, but it, it's hard to know for sure, again, with a deep playoff run. LaMelo Ball at pick number 27. That's about where he's going, and I think we've sort of talked ourselves into a bit too early on LaMelo. He's amazing, though. You guys know, I like... He blew me away. I don't I don't care for rookies at all. And by the third week last year, I was like, damn, this kid. Anyway, all that said, bad both percentages. So that has to get fixed. Even if the counting stuff continues to blow through the roof, the percentages can't be that bad. And you know turnovers are going to be pretty high for him this year. So you're now risking potentially three bad categories. And that's that's tough in the third round when you're not hyper elite in any one other category. You're very good in a lot of different things. I don't want people to think I'm not a big fan of LaMelo Ball. I think he's he's potentially going to be one of the most exciting players in the NBA for a long time. I think we've just, we've crested on him a little bit. That is, I don't know how much the scoring goes up. They've added more firepower, rebounds, assists. I mean, you could see assists go up, 1.6 steals per game, could that go up? Maybe 1.8. If he gets really crazy there, but we need the percentages now. If those, if you handicap Lamello to say the percentages are going to get substantially better, like if you think his field goal percent is going to go from 43 and a half to 47, that's a way for him to zip up the board closer to this mark. I'm just not willing to take that shot this early. Everyone else is, by the way. So I know I'm out on an island with this one, and I'm okay if I'm the the guy that doesn't get this because I don't think I don't know that he can go much beyond this unless he's playing in like 80 out of 82 ball games. This feels like the ceiling, an achievable number, but the ceiling. Julius Randle at 28, this again, I think you you're banking a little bit on the durability thing. Randle and Deandre Ayton were oddly similar in how they got to where they got last year. Randle was 39, Ayton was 44. Over the year, Julius played 71 out of his 72 games, so he and Aiden were up there in the second round by totals because of how unbelievably tough they were. Julius's numbers are going to go down this year. Knicks brought in Kemba Walker, who we learned during media day is likely to be their starting point guard. They brought in Evan Fournier, Derek Rose, healthy to start the year, no COVID bout uh, for him to deal with. I just I don't see how Julius is still taking 19 shots a game this coming season. I guess there's a possibility if the Knicks play faster. I also wonder if his free throw percent might not even come down a little bit just from sort of a reversion type of deal. So I'm a little bit down on Julius Randle. I think he's in the mid forties on a per game basis. If he's super durable, he can get to this number pretty easily, actually. You know, if he plays like 80 out of 82 games, he beats twenty eight. But this is a point. Around this range in the third round, I'm usually targeting someone who I think can get to their draft position on a per game basis. I don't, I don't see him getting there on a per game. Uh, Hanshu, nope. Sorry, I wasn't gonna say any names, but I like this pick. Rudy Gobert at 29, big fan of this one. If you can get him this late, that's a that's a cruising victory. Uh, Gobert was number 21 on a per game basis and played in almost every single ball game, so he was sort of a double whammy of win last season. I like it. Devin Booker at 30. I'm soured on Booker. I know folks that aren't based on the idea that maybe other players on Phoenix won't make it through the season healthy, but I don't know why we'd we'd then assume that he will. He's younger than say like a Chris Paul, but I mean if if we're gonna have a knock on Phoenix for running late into the playoffs in a short offseason, he's at risk of that too. And Booker was number 75 in nine cat last year, so I'm gonna kindly pass, even if we think he does get a little bit better. The the booker we saw in the bubble for Phoenix is just not a booker that is going to exist in a Phoenix offense that moves the basketball. He was a one-man gang and a wrecking crew, mind you. Shea at 31. Um, I'm actually okay with this one in Roto. I know he's 55 on a per game basis last year. I think his steals and blocks maybe get a little bit better season over season. Uh, there is a, there is the shutdown fear. I I might re- re- rescind that one. I'm too afraid. I'm too nervous to take a shot on Shea as sort of a post-hype guy who had a, a clunker of a year. I don't think they'll shut him down after half a season again. He'll play later into this one. Even if there isn't a whole lot to play for, it's just, it's too many seasons in a row. If they're going to ask him to not really play late two years straight, that's tough, man. These guys want to go. They want to play. And when you don't let them, which is sort of what happened with Shea. I mean, you can say he had plantar fasciitis. I'm I'm sure there was something going on. But doubtful it was as large as it was made out to be. Uh, he's a guy I'd probably target more in the fourth round. Christian Wood uh, at pick 32. And this is, again, a roll of the dice. This could end up being a brilliant pick, or this could end up being a total flop. And I am, as you guys know, generally fairly petrified of making picks that have that much variance... This early in a draft Christian Wood, remember was a was a second rounder before his ankle injury last year. He came back from that and he was like top 130 because he couldn't throw a free throw in if he was allowed to move six feet closer. Dude was a brutal punt free throw level guy uh, and like b- borderline startable when he came back from his his ankle thing. But before that, my God, 21 points on the year. I mean, his his numbers overall, if you don't look at free throw percent, still very good. 21 and 10 Two assists, a little less than a steal, a little over a block. Two three-pointers, 51% from the field, only two turnovers. And then, ouch, 63%, five free throws a game. Woof. You got to be better at the other stuff if you want to cover that up. Like, you need to be getting two blocks a night if you want to wipe out that free throw percent. And uh, he didn't. But if the free throw comes back up into the low 70s, that's how he jumps three rounds in with one category basically like if you'd you know 70s isn't a full punt on free throws but if you if you turn christian wood into a punt free throw guy he was number 23 last year so it's there it's a matter of whether or not you believe his free throw stroke improves and i'm i'm too afraid to do it I will say, again, I think I did this on Thursday. I'll tell you who I took in this draft. I had the next pick here at 33. I took Chris Paul, who I didn't have any intention of drafting him this year. And you guys have heard me talk about CP3 a bunch on this podcast because I thought this was the year where the the needle was going to swing back the other way, meaning for two seasons in a row, we've been all over Chris Paul on this podcast. And he's been arguably our biggest fantasy wins the last two consecutive seasons first round value out of someone we were getting late third two seasons in a row and i thought all right two brilliant seasons surely people are now finally going to start taking him in the second round again because he was number 18 by averages last year and durable he had both we didn't even expect him to have both we figured the per game would be the good one and the durability would be the uh uh-oh like can we hang on well he did far more than that I figure after the long playoff run, the short off season, the wrist surgery, again, this is sort of asked and answered on this podcast. I wasn't going to draft Chris Paul this year. I figured he was going to get drafted near 20, and that was going to wipe out a lot of his value because I didn't think he was going to play 95% of his team's games. But then here we are again, late in the third round, where even now if he misses a dozen ball games, he still beats this number. Remember, he was number 18 per game. He was number five by totals. If you're trying to figure out what Chris Paul would have looked like last year if he had missed sort of the normal number of games for someone of his age bracket, it was basically Drew Holiday, who was number 20 on a per-game basis, but missed 13 games instead of two. And where did Drew end up? He was 23. 23. He could have missed another one, two, probably three more games, and he still would beat the 33 rank where I ended up with Chris Paul here. So I don't know where he's going to go in your draft. If he's really there at the end of the third round, you almost kind of have to because he can get to 35 ranking in a... This is, again, Roto, games cap. He can get to that 35 totals rank playing at the same clip as last year, and he only needs to play in about 66, 67 games out of 82. That's not tough. Maybe even less than that. LeBron at 34, pretty remarkable. That's where he goes in pro drafts. In in uh, public drafts, he's going at like 14. I don't even know if I should bother handicapping LeBron because I have no idea where he's going to go in in my drafts this year. He might be... The the early-ish pick with the greatest variance. He was number 34 on a per-game basis last season. That probably gets worse with Russell Westbrook in town. Uh, Or maybe it stays the same because he wasn't, like, fully invested last year. He was beat up the short offseason, the whole thing. Um, But, yeah, I mean, if LeBron's there at the end of the third, again, you almost kind of have to just because he's LeBron. That's a dumb argument, I know, but... This is If he's really falling this far, I don't think I can talk you out of it. I just don't think he's ever really going to fall this far in a normal draft. That's not a room of 12 analysts. Drew Holiday went at 35, and there's a reason to be a little bit afraid of him. He had the finals uh, distance. Remember, he won the championship and then went to the Olympics. So he's, you know, he missed 13 games last year. I'd be surprised if he if he didn't miss at least that many this season. But then again, you know, missing 13 games last year, he was still a second rounder. So this isn't a bad spot to get Drew. If you're afraid of him, this is pretty much where you need to start looking for Drew. If he makes it to 35, anything earlier than that, you're playing with fire a little bit. And you're starting to get to a point now where he was probably the most obvious player on the board who should be able to go top 25 per game. JJJ at 36, this was a uh, Jonas Nader special. I don't think he's generally going this early, and uh, frankly, this is a little bit too early, but I love him this year. I'm a big fan of JJJ as in a bounce-back season. He was uh, 62 in only 24 minutes a game last year. He's primed to have an a absolute monster season in Memphis, and you could see it because if you looked at like the game ranges for him as his minutes trended up, his value just kept ballooning. And his minutes didn't trend up and basically until the playoffs, by the way. It's worth noting. He was at like 24 and a half over the last two weeks. And then over the last week of the regular season, he was at, what, twenty top 25 in 26 minutes a game. And that's with him not even shooting the ball well. He really could be a top 25 per game guy. I love JJJ in the fourth if you can let it slip that bar. But we'll 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 look at more mocks. Like we're going to look at a ton of them and real draft results as all of our individual drafts are coming and that's how we'll know or have a better idea at least of where he's likely to come off the board. Uh round 4, I know I said I wasn't going to tell you who took him, but you knew when you heard JJJ who who took him. Anthony Edwards was the first pick of the 4th round um I'm mixed on this one. Uh, uh, Anthony Edwards was uh, right around this mark over the last couple months last year, but also a lot of that team was hurt for that stretch. So then you're sort of looking at how much better can he get, and it should be a fair amount, because he was pretty awesome second half of last season. Is there going to be enough stuff for him? Can his percentages continue to improve? I think he'll be a fun player to own, and... I am... (sighs) Yeah, I mean, he's not a guy that I'm targeting, but I don't have a big problem with him in the fourth. OG Ananobi at 38. He's gone a lot earlier than I expected this year, and I think I was talking about that with... uh, Was that with Adam King on the pod, or was that... That might have been when I was guesting uh, over on Josh's show. OG was number 35 last year. He probably does more this season... And I was hoping he would fly under the radar a little bit, but he has most definitely not flown under the radar. And so he's now going more or less near his ceiling. Did not expect OG Ananobi to be a hype guy this year. That surprised the heck out of me. I, I thought we'd be able to get him in the fifties and it doesn't look like that's going to be the case. So I got to think this one through. I really got to mull this one over because I love him. We've loved him for a long time. Great fantasy stat set for nine cat Roto. Uh, and the world has caught on, and uh, yeah, don't know, don't know if we've gone too high yet. I'm a little worried that that's what's happening here. Nurk went at 39. Generally, you don't need to go Nurk this soon. He's he's been falling a bit in drafts. That's not to say that you shouldn't, because I do think that Nurk is just set to have a really nice fantasy season. He was another guy where you know you got glimpses of it at the very end of the regular season and into the playoffs for Portland. They have other guys that can snatch a few of his minutes away there's There is a little bit of risk there with nurk, and in the fourth round, there's a lot of risk. If you can get him in the fifth or sixth, the risk is minimized a little bit and frankly i you know there are players here in the fourth that are i'm finding to be almost guarantees like I took Tobias Harris next at forty, and that was an easy that was a tap in he was number 28 last year in a in a weirdly non durable season and with the whole Ben Simmons stuff going on he's only going to get to do more at least for part of the year so that'll be an easy one clint capella went at 41 that's another relative tap in he was 23 on a per game basis and i know he gets dinged up and misses some ball games but i think the hawks are excited about this year and they need him in the middle. So he's going to try to play when he can. And if he misses a dozen ball games, it's not that big of a deal, because on a per-game basis, he's going to obliterate 41. Porzingis at 42. Uh, I actually like this one a lot, too. He was 22 per game. He's coming into the season healthy. Even if you think he rests back-to-backs, which I do think he will. Maybe not all, but most, I would assume. 15 games off, he still beats this mark. And anything later than this, that's just gravy. Time Lord, 43. Uh, I think we're going to soon price ourselves out of Time Lord. Although training camp is going to give us a lot of information because if if Al Horford starts a game <laughs> in training camp, the whole thing's getting flipped on its head. Right now, I think the general consensus is that the Time Lord is starting. I'm not sure that that's true. Big Al's the big vet. It really comes down to whether or not Robert Williams learned any position defense during the offseason. Presumably he did but I don't know. And the shame is, he's a fantasy uh, shimmering star of light. Like, the Time Lords fantasy game is crazy impressive. He can get to this mark. Where did I just say he went? 43? I mean, he can get to 43 in 24 minutes a game. He doesn't even need full starters minutes to get there. Uh, but yeah, he's he's another one of those guys that I... I, you know, I Wouldn't be surprised to see him continue to go earlier and earlier throughout draft season. Unless we get some of that weird news out of training camp. Brandon Ingram at 44. This is a pretty safe play. I like Brandon Ingram at 44. He was 51 last year. He'll be right in that range again. He's a top 50 fantasy guy. And, you know, at this juncture, you are generally looking for guys with a little bit more upside. If his steals come back around, I guess that would be the upside. Although, you know, most of his career, they haven't really. So I don't think that we can assume that's true. Uh, you know, but again, you take a guy mid to late fourth and he performs as a late fourth, that's fine. No harm done. That's that's not a loss. That's not a win. I'm okay with it, especially if you took a couple of risks earlier. Miles Turner at 45, I like that one a lot. If he stays remotely healthy, he beats this number. Karis LeVert at 46, mm, I can't do it. I can't do it. He's going to get a lot of usage which was my big fear with Karras and why I, I I mean, I was wrong. I thought he would fall off more in Indiana. He'd had a wide open path to value because Sabonis missed some time. Brogdon missed a bunch of time in there. But we don't, we still don't really have a timeline on TJ Warren. And uh, so Levert's probably going to get his 15, 16 shots a ball game. But in 17 shots a game last year, he's top 60. I just don't know how he gets better than that. Unless, unless... His percentages both become better. And he had a good free throw run last year. Better than expected. I don't think that that's getting any better. So it's got to have to be the free, uh, the field goal percent, excuse me. And I don't believe that that's coming. Rashawn Holmes at 47. That's a tap in. That's a layup, man. I don't know how he ended up going this far down the board. Uh, He was 33 per game last year, and he'll be probably right back there again. Yeah, he's dinged up a little bit, but who cares? I don't. And DeJounte Murray at pick 48. He's another guy that I thought might end up as a hype train kind of dude this year. We haven't quite seen it yet. He was 67 last year. I'm, oh boy, I'm I'm going to, at the risk of being really doubling down on the curmudgeonly uh, takes we have on this podcast, I'm actually going to say that DeJounte Murray is gonna be a little bit of a bust this year. And that's not totally fair, because he's not it's not like he's gonna be worse than last season. It's just that I don't think his game is set to evolve to a place where he becomes this big hit that everybody wants him to be. And I'll tell you my my logic on this. And you guys can disagree with me. I'm fine with it. I really like DeJounte Murray. I targeted him in some drafts last year and he generally performed about a half round to a round worse than where I got him on a per-game basis. Now, he played 67 ball games last year, which is a very good sign that allowed him to beat his totals mark was number 39 because of the durability. I don't think the Spurs are competing late this season, so that makes me a little bit nervous. Now, if he's durable, he most likely beats this ADP. So that's where we're at with DeJounte Murray. Because from a stat set standpoint, even if his usage does go up and the points and the assists move a little bit with it, the rebounds are probably not going any higher. The three-pointers probably aren't changing much. He's a big-time steals guy, but his percentages are not very good, and I've got to think his turnovers go up as well. So yes, usage is value. He should be better than the 67 he put up last year. I agree with that, but I think it's probably more like one round on a per game basis, as opposed to the two that we're seeing happening right now. So to call myself Dejounte Murray bust, that, that's, that was wrong. That was a, a vast overstatement. I just, I'm worried that he is going to be the next name on that list behind, uh, who the hell did we talk about already as, as these hype trains, run hype train run amuck situation. Time Lord. Are we going to price him out? Murray? Are we going to price him out? OG. Are we going to price him out? Michael Porter Jr., are we going to price him out? Maybe. For a lot of those guys, it's going to come down to whether or not they play in more than the league average number of games from a per-game standpoint. Just noting again, Michael Porter at number 19 per game, probably ever so slightly behind that. I think he's in the 20s on a per-game basis. Uh, OG Ananobi at 38. I think that's actually... I think he probably beats that on a per-game basis. I think he could be inside the top 35. Um, who else do we say? Time Lord, 43. I think he's actually behind that per game, but that's because I think Al Horford's going to get to do more than a lot of people assume. And then DeJounte Murray, I think per game he's behind it at 48. He's probably more like 53 to 56 range. Uh, but again, if any of those guys show durability, then at this exact moment... The hype train has not completely run off the tracks. We're still hanging on, but you need it to be on the health standpoint. Murray has shown himself to be a pretty healthy guy, so that one I can get behind. Time Lord hasn't really. Soon as he started playing bigger minutes, he needed, he he missed ball games, and I know Boston had sort of the year from hell last year, so I I don't know that we can extrapolate too much. Ananobi had been very durable. Last year, no one on Toronto could make it through the year. They were just gassed. So hopefully he gets that back. And then Michael Porter Jr., who did actually look pretty durable last year, uh, aside from the COVID, the COVID, that's right, the thecovid.com, um, came into the league as an injured guy. So it's hard to know for sure when we've priced these guys out. And that's and, you know, our job, I guess, on this podcast. And right now, it's close, if not quite all the way there, to priced out meaning there's still a little tiny bit of room on the upper side the good side of that blue bar on the gray graph what could Michael Michael Porter Jr. be well if he plays in 80 ball games this year he probably could be a first rounder he could be you know top 22 per game plays in 80 ball games and ends up as the number 11 guy in fantasy or something like that or number nine guy in fantasy that's a possibility Do we think he's going to play an 80 out of eight or two games? I don't know. Do we think he's going to play in 75? Yeah, probably. I could. But what if we find out later that he's someone that might end up needing to miss two or three weeks if there's a positive result? Because they're still getting tested, man. That's not not going away. And Anobi, what did we see last year? Was that the start of him having some injured seasons or was that the one-off? I could see Ananobi as a second rounder by totals, so there's definitely still a little bit of room on the upper side of him here, getting drafted near 35. Murray? Yeah, for sure. I mean, if he's he's durable, he beats it. But you could say that about a lot of these guys. What you're looking for is, like with Chris Paul last year, if he's durable, not only does he beat it, but he just obliterates it, blows it completely out of the water... And, you know, two, three rounds of maximum value. That's the guys we're looking for. If we can find them, and if you can't, you look for someone that is what we've referred to a couple times as a layup. Well, they're doing work on the uh, sewage line underneath the building, so we're going to go ahead and get it wrapped up today. Tomorrow, uh, we'll probably get into more of this draft, but we might also be talking to some of the pros from it already. Very exciting stuff here on Fantasy NBA Today. We'll continue to bring you NBA news as it breaks, no matter what it might be. And we'll do our best to walk that damn tightrope while we're doing it. I am Dan Vespers for Fantasy NBA Today. Again, hit me up if you want to be a hoop ball recruit. We would love to hear from you. Or if you want to join a hoop ball league, uh, like and subscribe. What do the kids say? Smash that subscribe button. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, hello, fellow young people. Have a great one day, everybody. Good to be back three weeks, one day. So long. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.